As always been said, this is our official Christmas service, but we do have a Christmas Eve service next Sunday. It's going to be a bit of an abbreviated service, but I hope that you'll come and be with us for that. And if you have children or grandchildren, bring them with you. Because Pastor Farrell has a very, very special service that's going to involve our children, and you won't want to miss it. So I know it's Christmas Eve. I know we have a lot of things going on. I know you'll be having things with your family. But let's come and worship the Lord uh, next Sunday, Christmas Eve. I'm going to ask Brother Gerald Singleton to step up here for just a moment, if he doesn't mind. See around? Come on up here, Gerald. I want to say something about Gerald Singleton. There's not a man that has been much more faithful to his calling than Gerald. He's been faithful to Bethel. He's been faithful to our children through the years. And he is incredibly faithful to the bus ministry that takes a lot of his time. But he's here every Sunday. He comes early to bring those who can't get here in. He gets here early Wednesday to bring those here who want to come on Wednesday night. And Gerald, on behalf of Bethel Christian Center, we just wanted to give you something and say thank you and Merry Christmas for what you do. I'm going to ask Brother Matt Fisher if he'll come stand up here with me for a moment. So the same is true of Brother Matt. Brother Matt puts a lot of time and work, and he takes leading us into the presence of the Lord. He is as much of a minister as I have been this last year. He leads us into the presence of the Lord through song and worship. He takes it very seriously. I've seen him research the songs to make sure they're scripturally sound. He's fasted many times as he prepared to lead us into the Lord's presence. And it takes a lot of his time. And then throughout this year, as we went through the pastoral search, he was the chair of that committee, and it, was, it took a lot of his time. And in addition to that, he works full-time, he has a family, but he's very committed to this church. And we just wanted to give you something on behalf of Bethel, uh, Matt, and tell you we love you and we appreciate all that you do for us. Given that we had recently ended up the study of the book of James, and in the time of when Pastor Farrell was going to be starting, and I knew that Christmas was coming, I didn't know if somewhere in the midst of all that I may need to have another message prepared. And so in the back of my mind, I had been thinking about what it was I might, if, might preach on if I had to have a message ready. And there's something that's been in my spirit. The Lord will drop scriptures into your spirit throughout the year that will help you throughout the year. And... Many times throughout this year, I've said that the scripture where Peter said that the men who wrote the Bible were holy men, carried along by the Holy Spirit, that's helped me a lot this year because there's been times that we do what we do for the Lord and we wonder, wondering, if God, is I doing this within my own power? Or are you with me? And I'm reminded that those men were writing the scriptures, maybe unbeknownst to them, they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. And if you're here today and you belong to him, he's carrying you along through your life. But also, as I, as I thought through this, a passage of Scripture that has been in my heart and my spirit for some time 
is this passage of Scripture that's often referred to as the Arionic or the priestly blessing. And it's found in Numbers chapter 6. And so if you want to turn to Numbers 6, if you have your Bibles, your smartphones, your tablets, or whatever you read God's Word with, if you'll turn to Numbers chapter 6, and momentarily I'll be reading verses 22 through 26. You don't have to look much further than this passage of Scripture to see how God feels about His people. This is the first blessing that He pronounces over the nation of Israel. Aaron was the first priest. In the Old Testament system, in the Levitical system, they didn't have direct access to God. They had to go through a priest to get to God. And once a year, on the Day of Atonement, they would go to the priest. The priest would have to make atonement for his own sin. And then he would make atonement for the people's sin. But now the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And he has given us direct access to the throne room of God. But Aaron was that first priest. And God spoke to Moses. He said, say to Aaron and speak this blessing over the children of Israel. And in Numbers 6, starting at 22, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord to make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. That is a wonderful blessing to me. And you may ask yourself, you may say, brother, what in the world? This Christmas, what, what, what has this got to do with Christmas? Church, the entire Bible, particularly the entire Old Testament, is about the coming of the Lord. It started in the Garden of Eden when Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and God looked at Satan and said, one's coming. Woman's coming through that seat of the woman. And yeah, you're going to nip at his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And the whole narrative of the Old Testament is about the one who would come to take away our sin. Jesus himself would say to his disciples, many prophets, many righteous men have desired to see what you see and hear. Walking along after he had, been, after he had risen, walking along out of Jerusalem on a street called Emmaus, There was two men walking along and they were talking about all the things that had happened. And Jesus walked up beside them and they didn't recognize him. And he said, what you talking about? And they said, man, where you been? Hadn't you heard of all the things that's happened in Jerusalem? That Jesus, a mighty prophet in word and deed, we thought he was going to redeem Israel, but yet he's been crucified and buried. Now they say he's risen again. And the Bible says Jesus took the scriptures And he opened them up. And beginning at Moses, he showed them all the things of himself. And in just a few short verses later, this is at the end of Luke, he would appear to his disciples. And he would say to his disciples, the writings of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms have all been fulfilled in me. The whole Bible is about Jesus. And it's about his coming. And Paul would go on to say this, and he would write this in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. He would say, for all the promises of God 
in him are yes and in him amen for the glory of God through us. Every one of the promises of God, all the blessings of God, they're for us today. They have been completed in us. They have been fulfilled through us in Christ Jesus because he came. And I believe this blessing that God had to pronounce over his people has its ultimate fulfillment just as in every blessing, just in every promise in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we live in that and we walk in that in fullness. Lord, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Christmas season. I thank you for the anointing that's been here already. Lord, and I pray, Lord, through the anointing of the music, the anointing of your word, God, if there's one who's not received these promises through you, they've not surrendered to you, they don't know what it means, God, to lay down a sin debt and pick up victory and forgiveness, that today, this Christmas service would be the day in Jesus' name name. So what I want to do, I want to look at this blessing this morning and see how it was that when Christ came, he fulfilled these blessings. Every single one of them. He said, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. I thank God for his blessing. Unfortunately, too often times in Western Christianity, when we hear the idea of being blessed, we still move oftentimes into material blessings. We still live in a little bit of the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, prosperity gospel. And we can have prosperity in Christ. That doesn't necessarily have, it's not necessarily wiped out. But that's not the reason Christ came. So much shopping and so much gets lost in the materialism. I hate shopping. Thank goodness for my wife. Because nobody would get nothing. They might get a card with some money in it. But she does the shopping for the most part. But the thing that I want to make sure that stays central in my home, that will stay central in our church, and that we as followers of Christ want to stay central in our nation, is the fact that Jesus is the reason for this season. And it does get lost at times in the culture. I found this by C.S. Lewis. And it said this, There there is a stage in a child's life at which it cannot separate the religious from merely the festival characters of Christmas or Easter. I had been told of a very small but very devout boy who was heard murmuring to himself on Easter morning a poem of his own composition which began, Chocolate Eggs and Jesus Risen. This seems to me for his age both admirable poetry and admirable piety. But of course the time will soon come when such a child can no longer effortlessly and spontaneously enjoy that unity. He will become able to distinguish the spiritual from the ritual and the festive aspect of Easter. Chocolate eggs will no longer seem sacramental. And once he is distinguished, he must put one or the other first. If he puts the spiritual first, he can still taste something of the egg of, of Easter in the chocolate eggs. If he puts the eggs first, they will soon be no more than another sweet treat. They will have taken on an independent and therefore a soon withering life. All of us have to decide when it comes to the Christmas season, what are we going to put first? Are we going to put the sacred, the fact that Christ has come first? Are we going to make that central to our lives? Are we going to make that central to our homes? 
And when we do that, as he said here, then we can truly enjoy the family gatherings, the office parties, the gift giving, because all those things are done, but they're kept in their proper place. Because God has come to bless us. But he hasn't come to bless us materially. Well, what has he come to bless us with then? The Bible says in Ephesians 1-3 that God has come to bless us with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I don't know what you're getting for Christmas this year. Maybe it's going to be the most fantastic gift you've ever had. Maybe you're getting a diamond ring or a sports car. I'm not sure. But I know this. It'll never compare to the heavenly blessings. It'll never compare to the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And if you read on through that book of Ephesians, he names several of them, but I just want to mention three of them. First, we have redemption by his blood. We have redemption. We, redeem means we've been bought back. We've been under control of the evil. And when God said, I'm going to crush that serpent's head, that's what Christ did when he rose. He redeemed us back. He redeemed the world back. He says we have forgiveness of our sins, born to save. Born to save. Paul would go on to say this, the Apostle Paul. Here's a trustworthy saying, Christ has come to save sinners in whom I am chief. We have forgiveness of our sins and we have an inheritance. I enjoy my life. God's been good to me. I've got a wonderful family and I've got a lot of things to enjoy. And I know all of you do and many of you do. But this is not my home. I've got an inheritance that you can't imagine. I hope that you have it. I have an inheritance. Those are just three of the spiritual blessings that Christ has given to us. The Lord bless you. And he says, and the Lord keep you. I'm thankful for his keeping power. I'm a product of his keeping power. Jesus would refer to himself as the good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He keeps his sheep. And do you know sheep are dumb animals? You often have heard me mention Coach Bobby Schreiner. He was Collins wrestling coach. He's a good, great man. He led a lot of young men to the Lord. And he says this a lot. We're only one decision from stupid. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Because we're prone to wonder. We're prone to get away from the fold. But I'm glad I serve a shepherd that will leave the 99 and go get the one. Because I was at one one time. And he come got me. And I never got too far away from him because he knows how to keep his children. I found it interesting that they quoted the Lord's Prayer this morning because Jesus would teach his disciples to pray that prayer. And in that, he would say, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. The better translation is from the evil one. There is an evil one. But he's been defeated. And Christ can keep us. He could lead us not in temptation and deliver us from him. And that's in, in essence what he did for Peter. The Lord looked at Peter and he said this. Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. 
that immediately made me think about this idea of our Lord being our intercessor. I don't think we talk enough about that. That today He sits at the right hand of the Father and He makes intercession for us. That is a way that He keeps us. Sometimes I wonder, has Satan been before the throne room of God and said, I want Larry. But the Lord has said, "Mm, I've prayed for him. I know him. He's mine. And Jesus would go on to say this to His disciples. No one can snatch them from my hand. And I know there's a huge theological debate that surrounds that statement, and I'm not going to get into that. All I can tell you is the Lord knows how to keep His sheep. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you. He's never fulfilled that blessing more than He fulfilled it in the coming of Christ. He said, the Lord to make His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. When he says his face shine upon you, what he means is his presence. That the Lord's presence would be with them. Never, ever more has the Lord's presence been with us than on Christmas, than when God came to us. In Matthew 1 and 23, the angel said to Joseph, Behold, the virgin shall be with God and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God is with us. We serve a seeking God. We don't have to please Him. He came on the greatest rescue mission the world has ever known when He came down into this earth, took on flesh to save sinners. Paul, when he was speaking to some of the Stoics and the philosophers of his day, and he was telling them about who this Christ was. They worshipped all kinds of gods and idols. They even had one to an unknown God. And he told them all about the Lord and how he created everything. And how he put everybody in their appointed time and how everyone one day will stand in judgment before him. But he also said this, but he's not very far from any of us. He's not very far from you this morning. It may feel that way. You may feel a thousand miles away from him, but he's not very far from you because he is God with us. And you've never experienced him in a real and personal way you can today. You simply repent of your sin. Put your trust in him and let him come and save you. He was born to save. The birth of this child ushered in the new covenant age. He said, the Lord be gracious to you. God has never been any more gracious to his people than when He sent His Son and when He ushered in this age of grace. Under the the law, we were all guilty. The Bible tells us that none of us can be saved by keeping the law. Christ came and He ushered in the age of grace. Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Pastor Dub Carricker, many of you have met him. He's a key figure of Durham Ministers in Prayer. And he said something at Christmas season many years ago that I never forgot. He said, the thing about Christmas is this. The whole world is confronted, and particularly in the West, with who Jesus is. He's everywhere. And they can, they can try to deny it. They can say this is just a fairy tale. But this idea that God himself has come to heaven to save sinners is confronted. It's right in their face, and they must consider it. And everybody, many people, they're comfortable with the lights and they're comfortable with the trees and the gift giving. They're even comfortable with the baby in a manger. But what they're confronted with is if this is a Savior, 
then I'm a sinner. And that's what we don't want to be confronted with sometimes. We want to live life our way. We don't, want, we don't need saving. The author of this is unknown. It says, if, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. The greatest gift that God has ever given to us is the gift of His Son. Giving gifts is part of Christmas. It's what we do. But the greatest gift we've ever had is the gift of eternal life. Romans 6 and 23 says this, reads like this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. I've earned my death. Wages is something we earn. I've earned it. Because all have sinned and fallen short of His glory. The default position is that I have earned death. But... That's a big but there. That's a big but. And I'm thankful for that but. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the greatest gift you'll ever see. God's never been any more gracious to us than when He sent us that gift. I hope you've experienced it. I hope you accepted it. Because it, it is a gift that you must accept or you must reject. But He's been gracious to us. And finally, he says, the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Hebrew there for to, turn one, to lift a countenance is to turn one's attention toward or act on their behalf. We believe in something called substitutionary atonement. We believe that God took our place on that cross. I belonged on that cross. But a substitution took place. He took my sin to that cross and He gave me His righteousness. God has never turned His attention or, or acted on our behalf any more than He ever acted on behalf of it at the cross. He has never lifted His countenance among us any more than when He took our sin to the cross and acted on our behalf. Peter in 1 Peter 2.24 would say this, Who Himself, speaking of Christ, bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. The Lord lift His countenance to you. The Lord act on your behalf. He has acted on our behalf. And give you peace. Shalom. I dealt with this extensively some time back, but peace there doesn't necessarily mean the absence of conflict. It means complete wholeness, well-being, and contentment. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes 
lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Most modern translations there say, Peace on whom his favor rests. Let me ask you this morning, church. Does his favor rest on you? It can. He wants it to. He gave himself for you. But you simply must come, put your trust in him, repent of your sin, and recognize that he is your savior. That's how the favor rests on us. And he said, if you do that, I'll give you peace. And if there's anything that the world needs today, it is peace. And you can have that peace. We see so much conflict in the world. We see the war raging in the Middle East. Does it concern us? Yes. But I have peace. You may experience personal conflict. Things that's going on in your life. Maybe there's sickness. But in the midst of it, if you know the Lord, there's a, there's a popular song today that says, I have peace that makes no sense. I should be beside myself over this. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, He begins to give you that peace. A peace that Paul says passes understanding. But it's something you must experience. I can tell you about it till I'm blue in the face. Many in here have experienced it. We can tell you about it till we're blue in the face. But it's something you must experience. And Christ came to give it to you. I'm going to ask Brother Matt if he would to come and just play. I want to ask you this morning. Do you know the Lord? See, he's no longer a babe in a manger. I thank God for that. That was part one. He was born. He came, born to live, born to die, born to save. But he went to a cross and he was buried. But he didn't stay there. And in three months, we're going to celebrate a resurrection. He is alive. He is very much alive. And the Bible says he would that not none would perish, but all would come to a saving knowledge of him. And if you're here this morning and you've never experienced that, this altar is open. I won't linger long. But if you're here this morning and you say, I, I don't know this Savior and something is pricking my heart right now. See, my words won't do it. But what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to move. And He begins to draw you and He begins to prick your heart. And if that's you this morning, this altar is open. Or if the Lord is dealing with you in your seat and you know something's happening when this service is over, you can see me, you can see Brother Matt, you can see Pastor Farrell. It's so good to have him here with us this morning. But it'd be the greatest gift that you'll ever receive. The greatest gift you'll ever receive. Well, no one has responded, so I'm going to assume here that we're all redeemed of the Lord, saved. And have experienced the Christmas miracle. And so what I'd like for you to do is stand with me this morning. And I want you this week and this coming year and ever year afterward to walk in the fullness of this blessing. That Aaron spoke over the children of Israel that has its ultimate fulfillment in Christ. And it is for us today. So as you go about the rest of this year, the rest of 2024... And we're excited about what God has for us here in 2024. And we hope that you're going to be a part of it. I want you to receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you.
the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. Lord, we felt your presence in this place. We've honored you, Lord. We thank you for coming. And I pray for each family that's here. And I ask, oh God, that if one is here who hasn't experienced the Christmas miracle, that today they will. And I pray a blessing on every one of these families here as we go out and celebrate, Lord, this season that you came. We ask, God, that we walk in the fullness of this blessing that you prayed over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. We're done a little early. Spend some time, fellowship a little bit, and we hope you have a very Merry Christmas.